10,000 listens in our first 30 days. And, you know, that built over the years and led to the agency and everything we're doing now. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for kind of just going at it, man, and finding what works for you. You know, not being able to bench a bar to, to benching over 400 pounds, but it was a little bit at a time over years. And if you can commit to something like that in those small changes, you will see some amazing growth in your life. You, you get disciplined by committing to one thing at a time, to a time, to a time. Yeah. And, you know, there's small steps. But when you've done a bunch of small steps, you get something done. And I think that's the difference. If I'm going on a show that's booked by the team, if we're booking guests that's done by the team. So it's really about building a team around what you're doing so that you can do the best job at it. Like if you're trying to do everything and be, you know, everything for everyone, you're not going to do a great job and you're also not going to be very happy. Once you realize you can start creating things for yourself so that you can help yourself and others, I think that's a really big deal. Yeah. Like you don't have to do everything, but take action on one piece of what you're hearing in an episode and they'll start to see some success in their life. Like they have you as a resource. They need to start taking action on it. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. I am super excited that you're here with me today, listening, watching, and uh, I think there's a reason why we connected. And I think the main reason is that you want to go somewhere. You're you're in a place either where you don't fucking like what you do at all, or you're kind of okay with that, uh, with your life right now. And e either or, I think that's not a way to live life uh, we we want to if you can i mean there's there's a lot of thing going on in the world but if you're healthy if you can watch this and listen to this there's a big chance that there's a lot of potential uh, in you and i want to be able to help you go after that because li life is a beautiful experience and it's it's easy to be hard on yourself and and find reasons why not to do things instead of looking for you know reasons for to do things. And that's why I bring on amazing, amazing guests and uh, that are actually doing it, you know, uh, on different levels. But for me, it doesn't matter. People that are doing it for a long time, they are going to see re results and they're going to, you know, have, have a great life. Uh, without further ado, I want to introduce you to a really cool guy. His name is Jeremy Ryan Slate. And he, he just, does it like he has a real mission to impact he meets with some of the best people in the world just like me uh, and and shares that knowledge and he's been featured in BuzzFeed Forbes Inc and, and many many other publications but more than that he he's somebody that is doing the work and he he really wants to make an impact and that is something that I truly admire so welcome Jeremy Ryan Slate to the I Love Success podcast Hey man, thank you so much for having me today. I'm I'm really stoked to uh, hang out with you today. I know like right now we are on opposite coasts of the country, so so this should be fun, man. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 dig right into it. I mean, yeah. Can you just share like what I know you want to make an impact, and that you, that you are making an impact. But mm -hmm. uh, how how did that start? That that feeling of you know uh, wanting to make an impact because I know a lot of people that do a lot of cool stuff, they also ha had to go through a lot of shit to get there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, any of those like marketing stories or anything like that we've read, it's always like this person's like, oh, I had this burning desire inside me and I wanted to make this impact. And I don't know, for, for a lot of us, and especially me, I feel like that really wasn't the case. Yeah. It was honestly that 
I did what I thought was all the right things. Um, I, you know, have a master's in, in history. I studied literature, you know, in Europe for a bit. So like I did all those things you're supposed to do, like get a lot of education, you know, go out and get a job. And I just wasn't very happy doing it. I actually ended up out of grad school. I ended up actually working full time. Well, two two modified full-time positions. I was working uh, painting houses during the day, like 7 a.m. to 5. I'd run home and eat something and then I'd work, you know, closing the gym that night from uh, 7 to 11. And, you know, lucky enough, my manager let me also like work out there while I was working or like I wouldn't be able to do that either because I'm a big fitness buff. Yeah. So like that's what I was doing like right after getting out of grad school, which to me is wild because you spend all this time, you get all this education, you know, you talk about your degrees and things like that and just... Yeah. I wasn't very happy in that situation. So I actually ended up teaching in private school because I didn't have a teaching degree because yeah. my plan was to teach college. And I, I applied to one school and I didn't get in for, for a PhD program. So I'm, I'm a master's without a PhD track, which doesn't mean you're qualified to do a heck of a lot of things. So I actually ended up teaching in, in private school and kind of wild because it's, and it's interestingly enough, I was just cleaning out files and I found some of my pay stubs from like back when I used to do that. And like, I literally used to make, if I broke a thousand bucks for two weeks of work, that was a lot of money. So I was making very little money working 80, hundred hours a week. And I just was not very happy doing it. I didn't have great classroom management skills. Like I wasn't really prepared for this position I was in. So I was doing that for about two years. And in 2012, my mom ended up having a really bad stroke and it was, Sorry. thank you. It was like disrupt, very disruptive for my family. And um, it was honestly jarring and it made me look at a lot of different things I'm doing in life. And I'm like, okay, I, like I want to do something more. And I feel like for so many people, like they, they claim they knew what that was, right? Like kind of like what I was talking about in the beginning, they claim they knew what that was right away or, or anything like that. Like for me, it was just something more and I didn't know what it was. So I, I realized it wasn't what I was doing. So I actually ended up going from there to um, full-time in network marketing. And it's funny enough, like I saw this presentation, I knew what it was. So like, I'm like, oh, dude, a millionaire next week, this can be great. Um, <laughs> didn't work like that. Um, it was a lot of years of really working my ass off for very little money, but it was some of the best training I got. I went from there to uh, selling life insurance, which I was good at, but I hated telling people they were going to die. It just wasn't a great way to get up every day. Yeah. And then I've, my, my final kind of hurrah was private labeling and selling products on Amazon. Um, but I left the get my product for a dollar promo code on my product listing. So I lost every single product I had for less than it cost me to actually buy them. So I was out of business very, very quickly. And I'm kind of like, well, what do, you, what do you do? So I actually ended up making a really great decision for me. And that was working at a friend's marketing firm because I learned a lot about how to run a business. I learned a lot about how to manage clients. Um, I also learned how to code websites. I did, you know, HTML and CSS and all that fun stuff. But at the same time, like I still needed an outlet. So that's where the whole idea for the podcast came from. And we we did have some early success. We saw 10,000 listens in our first 30 days. And, you know, that built over the years and led to the agency and everything we're doing now. That's awesome. Good for you, man. And and I think this this is a great show of like, it's usually like most of the time we meet those people like, oh, I knew I wanted to be an athlete and that's the only thing I ever did. But for most people, it, it's more like, hey, you try, you fail, you try, you mm -hmm. don't like it, you try another thing and then you find something that you really like. Uh, so so thank, you, thank you for sharing that. So if you're out there listening, that's, that's no, pretty normal, right? Yeah, well, it, it is. And I, I think most people like, I, I, I don't know where this vision comes from, right? But I think society kind of gives us this false vision of that and this false idea 
of like, you know, you're going to come out of school and there's going to be this job and blah, 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 blah. And I think it's like less than 40% of people that actually end up in their college major, which is wild to me. So to me, I, I just, I think there's something really big missing. And, and that period of doing all these different jobs and different things for me was, was more like an apprenticeship or more like a, like a learning experience. But I think too often at 17, 18 years old, you're asking somebody to commit to, you know, getting educated in something for the next four to six years of their life, maybe more if they're going to medical school. And what if that's not for them, right? Like that wasn't for, you know, I, I enjoyed my education, but it wasn't for me. And at the same time, people are coming out with a lot of education without the ability to do right? Like they, they have all this like knowledge, but no doing this. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for kind of just going at it, man, and finding what works for you. Yeah. And I think I like, I'm, I'm from Sweden and a lot of people after high school, I, I liked that. I'm originally a, a, an immigrant uh, mm-hmm. here and, and my parents immigrated to Sweden and our culture is like, Hey, you go to university right after high school. But I saw all these Swedish people like they're after high school, they're traveling to Australia, working, enjoying life and I, and exploring what they really want to do. And I think that is great because even mm-hmm. if you don't figure shit out, which a lot of people don't, they don't, they don't come out <laughs> smarter, but at right. least they had a lot of fun, you know, and you learn new, new things and you, and you see the world and you, 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 you get, to connect with other people. Well, then I think some of my greatest learning experiences are some of the places I've been, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think, I think too often, like, you know, even in school, right? Like we, we learn about history and the world and everything else from our own viewpoint. We, we don't experience it. Yeah. And I think so many times, like when you understand people to the level of being in their culture, um, you know, you communicate differently, you have more reality with what they've experienced. So I think it's a, it's a richer life when you have experience in it and, and you're not missing that. Yeah. And as far as, you know, communication, I know there's a lot of people out there. They want to start a podcast. It's, it's huge. Podcasting has just become huge, but yeah. there's afraid of, you know, the communication skills and, and, and how to, how to do all these things. How, how was that for you? Like, can you just talk, walk us through the decision to, start a podcast. Yeah. And, and I want to preface it this way too. Cause like, you know, like I said, like, like I have a, a master's degree and all this stuff. So like I was a really highly academic writer yeah. and I started a podcast purely because I didn't write words in English that people could understand. You know what I mean? Like I had to learn how to write. It, it took me all those years to learn how to write copy that like communicates to people. Yeah. So like I started a podcast because I wasn't like, I was a, a good writer in academic terms, but not in terms that like Hey, read this, understand it and tell me what it's about. Like that that's it's weird because that's not how we're taught in school. So like I started a podcast because of that. And honestly, like I, I talked about, you know, getting into network marketing is kind of that first experience for me. I had never spoken in front of people before. Yeah. Like and and it it kind of shows like in in my teaching and even my first my first presentation network marketing, I had 180 slides, man. I had 180 slides because I didn't know what to do if people didn't have a picture to look at. Yeah. So for me, like I didn't, I, I, I want people to understand, like I didn't have these crazy communication skills going into this. They were built by doing it and just kind of getting that first step. So I started my podcast is really audio only, yeah. which means a lot of my interviews were over Skype. Um, you know, we didn't have like, you know, you and I are talking on really great microphones now. Like yeah. my mic was whatever I could get and was cheapest and I could afford at that time. So it was just something. So like, I didn't have a huge overhead budget. I didn't have a lot of skills. I just tried to get better at doing it. And, and that was one of the things that I really tried to focus on becoming better at being an interviewer was I looked at people that I admire that are good at it. So one of the people I really looked at 
and admire a lot. Um, you know, rest in peace is Larry King. So I learned a lot about how he interviews and how he asks questions. And I really kept working on becoming a better interviewer. And here's the thing I found about that. Becoming a better interviewer and being more comfortable in that position made me a better speaker because I was then comfortable with that. And, and I'll be honest with you, like we only started doing video in the last year and that's six years in. So for me, it started with audio, started with just having enough skills to be able to hold a conversation and continually working to get better at that. And then we started doing more video and stuff like that, but that wasn't initially where it was. So I, I think if you have an idea and it's different than others out there and you can work on figuring out how to communicate it and you're going to be in it for the long haul, you will be successful at this. But I think too many people start this with the idea, if we're going to build this thing, it's going to be huge month one. Month two, we're going to get all this advertising money. Month three, I'm going to retire from the rest of my life. And, you know, we're just going to, it's going to be bonanza. It's going to be like we're on boats, you know, throwing back martinis and stuff like that. And it's just, it's not life. You need to commit to really learning those hard skills, working at it and realizing like for the first year, you may be talking to five people, but if you stick it out and if you get in front of people, that's a really big, you know, growth moment. Yeah. And do you think uh, your fitness background and loving, like working hard helped you have that kind of mindset that you're in this for the long haul? Well, no, absolutely, because that that's a lot of what's formed my mindset. You know, I was a, I was a wrestler in school and um, a competitive powerlifter for a number of years. So, like, mindset has always been a strength for me, right? Like, I'm I'm willing to work harder than other people. I'm willing to put in more time than other people. And I think when you do that, and you're okay with like not getting reward right now, because I'll tell you what, man. Like, yes, I have good genetics, and that's helped me in fitness. But at the same time. I've always followed a model called linear progression. And what that means is if I can get five pounds stronger next week and I can force that over the next five years, yeah. you know, that's how I went from, you know, not being able to bench a bar to, to benching over 400 pounds, yeah. but it was a little bit at a time over years. And if you can commit to something like that in those small changes, you will see some amazing growth in your life. Yeah, I think um, that's something that I've seen in my life. Being an athlete has helped me tremendously yes. because we are used to doing the work with, uh, without knowing if we're ever going to get the reward. But I think what we are also seeing as athletes, we see the reward every time after training because you feel so good. And mm -hmm. I think people should try to emulate that in other areas of their life. If you do the work, reward yourself and feel good, don't always focus on like the big picture millionaire thing that is yes. going to come, but you got to like a work. I ran this morning with a friend. It feels fucking amazing. I didn't <laughs> win a competition or anything, but it just, it was just a reward just doing it. Well, I think there's like two levels of that too, right? Like you have kind of your person that when they're first starting, yeah. You know, I, I mentioned like being willing to get five pounds stronger every week and you have to be okay with that in the beginning, but you're also going to get to a certain point. And, and that's why I think fitness really, as an example, coincides really well with this, right? Yeah. You get to a certain point where you physically maxed out your body, right? Yeah. So anything you get out of it is a pound, you know, a 10th of a second, if you're running like all these different things. So like you get to a certain point where you're pushing for growth, but then you're pushing for just that little edge that you can find here or there. Yeah. So there's also different levels of that mindset depending on where you're at in your journey. Yeah, no, I like that. And one thing that I always try to recommend to people if they're starting something new is to also add fitness and uh, or some type of workout into their schedule because it's going to make them better at what they do. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer with like first thing in the day. Does that kind of fit with your 
your idea on it. Cause I'm like, if yeah. I can get that win first thing a day that I got the workout in, like yeah. things after that are slightly easier, you know, like I'm not going to conquer the world, but at least got that in first. So I'm curious what your philosophy is on it. I agree with you. I, I, I do that. I try to work out every morning. Uh, it's a little bit harder. And when you lift heavy those days, I try to do it in the afternoon. Yes. Uh, but I prefer like a lot of times because I, I, my schedule is sometimes pretty booked and I know if I don't do it in the morning, there's a chance, <laughs> even though I'm very disciplined, there is a chance that I won't it, do it. it. It ain't gonna happen later in the day, man. It, yeah. it definitely isn't. <laughs> and I think people don't understand that. Like, it's not always mm -hmm. about discipline. A lot of people say, yeah, it's easy for you. You're so disciplined. I think it's more that I, I prioritize doing it in the morning before I get distracted more than the actual discipline. Well, I, I think at the same time, though, like to, to those people, I would say like, hey, you, you don't start disciplined, man. Um, I have I have a two and a half year old and I have oh, nice. a uh, a uh, almost thank you, almost four week old. Oh, wow. And, That's and amazing. So like, you know, the four week old, she cries a lot, man. Yeah. And I'm sure we all did as a baby. You know what I mean? So it's like we don't start disciplined, man. You got to start somewhere. You, you get disciplined by committing to one thing at a time, to a time, to a time. Yeah. And, you know, there's small steps. But when you've done a bunch of small steps, you get something done. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. And I think I think also people that are that are seeing results, they have they get energy. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, like output, uh, a lot of output that is high quality. Like, how do you mm -hmm. do that? Because I see you're launching three shows a week now, right? Yes. Plus you're doing all this other shit and then, you know, getting guests, releasing it. Like I, I, some, I want to do more, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. I do one a week last year with COVID. I did two a week for about two or three months, but it was, it was difficult for me. So maybe you can talk to that. And for people that are, there's people that go to the gym once every three weeks. It doesn't matter how great you work out. Even if you're there for eight hours, you're not going to see the results. So maybe mm -hmm. you can talk to how do you find the energy to have output for and, and do that consistently? Well, at the same time, like I'm, I'm trying to figure out how the best way to say this, right? Like yeah. my, my, my dad would always say like, don't commit to something if you're going to half-ass it. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you're going to work out once every three weeks, then why the hell are you doing it in the first place? You know what I mean? So like you got to figure out like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. So I think that's really, really important. And the other thing is, is realizing consistency is going to get you anything, yeah. but also realizing you can't do it all yourself, right? And, you know, in fitness, you kind of have to do it all yourself. Um, but in, in the, you know, in building a podcast or a business, like you can't do it all yourself because you're going to burn out. And then you're also going to find that you can only do such good quality when you're doing it yourself, right? Because you're spreading all these different directions. And when I first started the show, we were five days a week, honestly, for the first 90 days, we were five days a week. And here's what I found. Um, interview quality started to suck. Um, you know, the, the shows we were putting together started to suck. So like we went down to three days a week and that's kind of been the magic number for the last four years. But the thing that's different is in year two, so we're talking back in 2016, I started building a editing team because that's a really big deal. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a big believer in outsourcing, so we, we did it in-house. Yeah. Um, but, we, you know, we built an editing team here, and that was a really big deal. Um, I looked at my process for how I book guests, and I have a really specific way that I'm able to get in touch with celebrities and people like that. So I've taught my internal team how to do that. And, you know, they handle booking for me. Because if you're doing all those things you're not going to be able to do all of them well, right? You're only going to be able to do what you're, 
you know, what you like the most or what you have the most time for well. So if I can concentrate on just doing the interview, and I'll be honest with you, like when I post on social media, I still write the copy because I love to write copy. Um, but those are the two things I'm really doing. You know, the video editing is done by the team. The um, images are done by the team. If I'm going on a show that's booked by the team, if we're booking guests, it's done by the team. So it's really about building a team around what you're doing so that you can do the best job at it. Like if you're trying to do everything and be, you know, everything for everyone, you're not going to do a great job and you're also not going to be very happy. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And 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 looking at that, you've been able to, you know, connect with uh, some amazing people uh, during uh, this show. Uh, do you want to share some tactics that you use that could be helpful for people that are starting businesses that want to leverage uh, their their game by by being seen with with people that are on, on a different level right now? Well, you know, honestly, in the beginning, I just kind of pulled that out of my ass because like, I didn't have, any, I didn't have any interviews done. So yeah. like, you got to kind of like make it work. Um, but I find too often people talk a lot about numbers yeah. and if you make it about numbers and you don't have numbers, it's going to be really hard to convince somebody to come on your show. Yeah. And at the same time, you don't know what their perception of numbers is. You know, you're thinking in thousands, they're thinking in millions. So if you come with thousands and they want millions, like it's not going to work. So I, I tend to not really talk about numbers um, unless, you know, like, you know, we were mentioned in blah, blah, blah article and we were ranked number blank show. Like, okay, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. But like, I tend to not talk about numbers. We tend to talk a lot about the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing yeah. and how it's special to that purpose, that person. Yeah. So I think that's really, really important. And it's also important to get in touch with the particular person you want to speak to if possible, because yeah. there's kind of like a hierarchy. If you can talk to the person you want to interview, that's the best. Yeah. Their assistant is kind of the next out from that. Their PR person is next out from that. That's about all you're going to have success with. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have success with their business manager or, you know, their you're you're never going to have success with their speaker booker because that's the person that gets paid to book speaking gigs. Yeah. <laughs> and you're probably never going to have success with the person that says, "Oh, can I come on your show? I know XYZ and maybe I'll introduce you to them." That's never going to happen. They're not going to introduce you because they probably don't know them. Um, but that has happened to me before. Yeah. Um, and I've 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 learned about that. So it's really about understanding the hierarchy and also understanding the purpose. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, like one of the most simple, th simple things, man, is follow-up. Like I've run a spreadsheet since day one back in 2015, where we have every guest that I want to reach out to the last date they were reached out to who reached out to them and what was said. And then we follow up with them either, either every 30 to 60 days and we find out what they're looking for. So some, that's been the way we've booked like, like Dave Asprey took four years to book on the show. Um, or we had uh, Jonathan Goldsmith on the show uh, not too long ago. He's also the most interesting man in the world from the Dos Equis commercials. That took five years to do. So like a lot of the follow-up is what people aren't willing to do and realize that yeah. people, if, if somebody is not doing an interview with you now, it's not that they don't want to do it. It's that when people do media, they do it for a reason. And if they're not pushing something, if they don't have a um, if they don't have a new book coming out or something, there's no reason for them to do it. So it's continually following up with people over time. Yeah, I like that. And and what what media like email, Instagram, like what what? How do you try to connect with people? So it depends. I find email was really successful. I did have some success by cold calling offices too. Yeah. Um, and that only worked a couple of times, and it does take a lot more work. Um, and man, the discouragement from that is it can be hard. <laughs> but I've also found that um, athletes, if they're under forty. Yeah. Um, and famous people that are under 40, you can have a lot of success if you have a decent size Instagram following, getting in touch with them on Instagram. Yeah. So like I've gotten a lot of uh, football players that way, baseball players that way, um, influencers. So I've had a lot of success with Instagram DMs. Yeah. Um, and 
really just with a plain text message. I tried sending out videos and it really, it didn't, it didn't really put me over the top. So plain text messages have been pretty successful there. Awesome. Yeah. And and I think you're right with the follow-up. I mean, it was the same thing for me with David Asprey. I had him for my 200th episode. uh, Oh, cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. And so I was, I was targeting him and Tom Bilyeu for my 200th episode. And I did that for such a long time. And then for Dave, I was like, every he didn't respond to my email. So every day when I went to Bulletproof uh, here in Santa Monica, I recorded a video uh, on Instagram <laughs> and sent to him, here, I'm here again. I did my workout, uh, drinking your coffee. Would love to have you on the show. And then finally he, he responded with, which was wow. which was cool, and the same happened with Tom Bilyeu. So if you look at my show, two hundred is Dave Asprey, and two hundred one is uh, Tom Bilyeu. Oh, that's very well done, man. Uh, it it's I think it it's all in the follow up and being friendly, persistent. I think you're yes. you're focusing on the right things and being like, hey, this is what we're about, because they people that have done the journey for them, it's not always about the numbers. They'll do yes. things. Uh, if they feel that it it vibes with them, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I f- I think you're right. And how, how and I'll, it- I'll say part of that. I'll, I'll say part of that too is like, um, I think a lot of people. Number one, they just won't try, right? So they yeah. they won't try. But the other thing is too, they get a no and they don't know what to do with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, like I also I don't look at it as a no as a no. Like yeah. when somebody says no, I said, hey, that's totally fine. Um, when are you scheduling? Yeah. Or, or I had I had uh, Robin Sharma uh, was on the show many years ago, yeah. and his team said, hey, you know, we're not scheduling interviews for the next six months. I'm like, great. What dates open six months from now? <laughs> that that is actually how we got it done. Yeah. So you have to be willing to to take a look at that no and say, what can I do with that, and how can I get past that? In like you said, in the nicest way possible. I think too many people come at it aggressively, and that's not good for anybody. Yeah. And. Uh- what are you? What have you learned from talking to all these people, man? I, I, for me, I feel like every time I meet someone like you, it's like I download something new in my brain <laughs> that makes my life just a little bit better and makes me question yeah. things. Uh, what, what has been your biggest, you know, change in your life since you started the show? You know, it's been really how I look at success, right? And it's interestingly enough, because that's that is what we talk about in the show. Yeah. Um, but it's been really how I look at success. I think too many times we're it's like we were talking about in the beginning. We're sold this idea of you go to school, you get a job, you know, you get recognized, you get to the next level, you end up in upper management, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you realize the success isn't like that. You know, it's built by a lot of adversity and it's built by a lot of hard work. And, th- and that was the the thing that's really stood out to me is how much some of these people have been through and they don't quit. Um, are you familiar with Anthony Trucks by any chance? And no. Okay, Anthony Trucks, um, he was, he's an incredible person. He's a keynote speaker, best-selling author. Um, and he had this dream to play in the NFL. And his first year in the NFL, in the NFL he had a horrible shoulder injury, never played again. You know, like it was, it was going to be this thing that he lost his dream. You know, his marriage fell apart. He had all these different horrible things happen to him. And he looked at each one of those things and said, how can I grow from this moment? How can I become the person I'm meant to be from this moment? Mm-hmm. And I think that is what, and, and interestingly enough, you know, he got back together with his wife. They figured things out. You know, he started having all the success and helping other people. So I think a lot of times it's realizing how we become the person we need to become through the adversity we experience. And, and I yeah. think that is the biggest learning point I've had from all the people I've spoken to 
Because I think especially in online marketing, right? We're sold this idea of buy this course, get this product, get this coaching program, and it's all going to be okay. And, and I'll be honest with you, like life isn't like that. It's bumps, it's bruises, it's hard work, and it's going to take time before you get reward. Yeah. And um, I'm curious when it comes to like success, because that's what I'm studying as well. Like w- what is your definition of, of success? To me, it's having enough of resources and money and things like that to be able to spend more time with and with the people that matter the most to me and also spend my time doing things that matter for me. Because I, I think so many times we're forced to go to a job. We are forced to put in more hours. We're forced to do this, forced to do that. Um, and when you can really create something that gives you choice and the ability to flow energy where you want to flow energy, that's what success really looks like, man. Like, And, and that, I know it's ambiguous, but we all kind of have our own different definition of it and, and where we're at at it. I don't think it's a place you arrive and you're like, all right, I have arrived at success and man, the view is great from here. It, it's not like that at all. It, it's when, once you realize you can start creating things for yourself so that you can help yourself and others, I think that's a really big deal. Yeah, no, I, I like it. And uh, looking at happiness, what what do you think is happiness and success aligned or are they two different things? I think they can be aligned, but I don't think they have to be, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I know some people that are extremely happy, but I wouldn't look at them as successful, but they've, they've found, you know, happiness in their life. Yeah. Um, to me, like a lot of my happiness is, is driven by, um, you know, what I'm able to create. Do I enjoy creating it? Um, you know, am I helping others doing it? And if those things align for me and if enough areas of my life align, you find happiness, but there's a lot of people that you could look at as quote unquote successful, but you know, their marriage is falling apart or, you know, they've wanted, always wanted to have children and they can't, or, you know, like, so, so I think there's happiness and success can be aligned, but they don't necessarily have to be. But I, I I think oftentimes we're taught they are. Yeah. And I, I think that in, we look, a lot of people look at success as performance, right? If you Mm -hmm. perform in a in X given field, you are successful. Uh, but I think it's much more than that. Just like you said, like it's, it's about having the means and the time to do things that actually makes you happy. And yeah. going back to your life, like you were, you fought, you did everything you were supposed to do, but still it wasn't enough. And I know a yeah. lot of people feel that way. Uh, what do you want to say to people that are in that position now? Like they've doing, they, they've done everything right, but they're still not, uh, not f- fulfilled, and they they're not happy. You know. Well, I I honestly would take a look at what is your purpose, right? And I think so many people don't don't really look at that. But you know, what would you do whether you're making money or not? You know, there's there's a a player that he's re- he's retired many years ago now, but um, he retired at the peak of his career as an NFL player, Ricky Williams, yeah. and he you know, had the rushing title. He was the number one running back in the league and blah, blah, blah. But the guy was miserable because he didn't define himself by football and it really wasn't fulfilling him. So you have to take a look at how does your purpose and what you're doing align so that you can get enjoyment and, and you know, general happiness out of that. But I think too often we're taught to look at either, um, you know, your purpose or what you're doing. But if those two things don't align, you're going to be miserable, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I look at what I'm doing and like having a podcast doesn't necessarily like, you know, fix my purpose or, or, or put me in the right position, but communicating with people does and doing yeah. interviews does. So you have to see how your purpose and what you're doing align. Like if they don't, then you're not going to be very happy. 
Yeah, no, I like that. And and one thing that I I also have seen is that things change during your life. Life comes in yeah. seasons. So what makes you happy right now, it's maybe not going to be your purpose further down the road. And I, I, we see this with athletes. I know you had a lot of athletes on your show and, yeah. and you're an athlete yourself. So maybe you can talk a little bit about like, how do we know when to quit something? Because we see most, I would say most successful athletes might do it a little bit too long because there's so much money involved. There's the 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 thing, what am I going to do after? And we see that in life for many people as mm-hmm. well, but it's very clear in, in, this, in the professional athlete industry. Well, they're the only people that die twice, right? Like yeah. when they retire and also, you know, at the end of their life. And I had spoken to uh, former Chicago Bear, Des Clark on this. Yeah. And I think too often, like we tie our identity to, in this case, you know, football. If I'm not a football player, what am I? Or if I'm not, you know, uh, this business owner, what am I? And when you tie your identity to that and that ends, that's a very difficult thing. So I think it's less about money and it's more about like, if this ends here, you know, that life is over for me and who am I? What am I? And I think, I think you have to realize not to tie your identity to things. So um, Des is very successful um, in the, you know, money management world and insurance world and things like that now. And he said that, you know, football was my way to get the things I wanted and to create opportunities, but it never was my identity. And I think too often when you tie your identity and your self-worth to what you're doing, once that's gone, whether it's a business, whether it's, um, you know, the sport you're playing or whatever, you're in trouble. Like you look at somebody like Elon, Elon Musk, he's successfully running many businesses at the same time. He doesn't identify himself as any one of those. And I think when you look at hyper successful people, that's why they are because they don't identify themselves with what they're doing. They look at their purpose and how it aligns with what they're doing and they're happy doing that. But when you identify yourself with a purpose or what you're doing and that ends, it's, it's like dying, man. It really is. Yeah. And I think the the whole thing about purpose, I think finding your why and having a purpose, I think that's a lot of people have a hard time relating to that because mm-hmm. we, we're looking at this big ideas and we're meeting these yeah. incredible people. But a lot of people listen to this show, uh, this show is our regular people that have a hard time relating to that. Like, mm-hmm. what can you say or do you have any advice for them? Like, hey, this all sounds great, but I don't have a huge why or a huge purpose. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the problems is like how people are told you find that, like, you know, the skies open up, the seraphim and cherubim start playing trumpets and you know your purpose. Like, that's not life, dude. Like, like you find your purpose by doing things and seeing what you like and don't like and what, what it really aligns for you. So to people listening, I would say start something on the side that you enjoy. You know, start something on the side that you like. I I honestly, um, and I don't know, maybe you're of a different belief system on this, but like I believe that you should always start a business along some alongside, alongside something else you're doing. And the reason I say that is when you need to decide of having a long-term vision with something and you need to eat this week, you're going to make some really bad decisions. So I really look at it as starting what you're doing alongside what you're you're already doing. And it gives you some time to decide, okay, no, this isn't working for me. This doesn't align with who I am. This doesn't allow me to have the outlet I, I want, or this doesn't have the legs I want it to have. So to me, it's starting something alongside what you're already doing and finding out what aligns for you and, and realizing like, hey, if I need to do this to eat next week, maybe we should reconsider what I'm doing. 
Yeah, that is such an interesting conversation because I, I recently listened to a podcast with George St. Pierre, and that's one of my dream guests uh, to have on my show. Uh, that dude is a badass. He's a real badass. And, and the, the conversation was that he, he didn't stop school before he had a title fight. So his, mm. his idea was like, hey, don't, don't just quit everything. Uh, to go after your dream because it you might not always make the best decisions when you're when you're hungry just like you said uh, but yeah. there's another way like if you look at um thinking grow rich like burn all bridges like mm-hmm. if you only have one way you will succeed and and I haven't decided what I think is is the better route uh yeah uh, I, I don't know what are you, what do you think? I, I'm not a big believer in the burn bridges, burn boats approach. I'm, yeah. I'm just not. Um, because I, I agree with, 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 with George St. Pierre, that that's really having a long-term vision, which is a beautiful thing. Like he's realizing, okay, like if this fighting thing doesn't go, go work out, I have an education. Yeah. And I, and I think that is the way to, to, to really look at things. But now the problem you can find with that is it's easy to become lazy doing that. Yeah. So you also have to align for yourself. What are those markers of success? Like, you know, what, what is the thing that means you're going someplace? And he, he did title fight. If I got a title fight, I know this is going someplace, but I find too often people start something on the side with no barometer on what success is. So you get lazy, life happens, whatever it is. And, you know, you don't keep going with it. So you have to define what those success metrics are for you. Um, Like for me, um, once my money I was creating from the podcaster from the company equaled what I was already doing, or was a little less than what I was already doing, you know, like, because it's not ever going to be perfect. That's when I was ready to move on. And that's when I moved on because I could no longer give full attention to both things. My attention is, you know, your attention is really valuable, right? So, you know, it wasn't paying all the bills, but it was paying enough of them. And then you kind of figure it out from there. But for me, that's what my metric was. When I could make my monthly nut off of what I was doing, that's when it was time to move. So you have to put out that metric yeah. or you're just going to ambiguously keep doing this thing that may go nowhere and you can get lazy. Yeah, I think I think that's, that's what the problem is and why I think a lot of people are not succeeding when they have a side gig because they mm-hmm. they don't have enough, I don't, I don't know, motivation or discipline to get shit done. Uh, and, <laughs> so I they mean, try to do it from fear, man. They're like, all right, let me scare the shit out of myself and then maybe I'll do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it works for some people, but I mean, it's so sad. Like we're looking at, we're looking at these role models that have done it, and it, there's so few. Like if yes. like it's it's sad. I've been an athlete. I know, like in a room with hundreds of you know karate athletes, I know like seventy of them are really really good. Maybe thirty mm-hmm. of them have the potential to be a champion, but there's only going to be one or two or three that actually becomes a champion. So the other 22, 27 people that have done everything, if they don't have an education or something else, they're going to be miserable. And we don't, we don't see that as well because we look at that guy or girl who yes. actually won. Uh, so I think, I mean, it's hard. Well, and also at the same time, like, you know, you look at like, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Olympians and I remember this is, I don't know if this dates me at all, but Anton Apollo Ono, who was a, a speed skater back yeah. in the day, and um, he was part of a campaign for Home Depot where Home Depot was promoting like Olympians work here. Yeah. Now, when you take a look at that, you're like, wait, Olympians work at Home Depot? Because yeah. we we don't have this concept around that because like 
they have to make money so that they can practice and work and do whatever and compete for them. um, You know, you have to worry about amateur rules and everything else. And that defines how you can take money and things like that. They don't make their endorsement deals till the Olympics are over. Right. Or till those opportunities come after that, if they even do. So you have to look at like, how do I fund what I'm doing? And, and, you know, at that point in time, you know, Home Depot was running a campaign because they had a lot of Olympians working there. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. And I mean, it, it, it's the truth and we, we, we don't, we don't always see that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm curious when it comes to, you know, regular people out there that, that are, they want to do something extraordinary in their life. They want to yeah. be able to connect with people just like you're doing, but they're, they're just scared. Like, uh, what do you want to say to them? Honestly, it's like, what's the worst that could happen, right? If you're starting something alongside what you're already doing, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the first, the, my, my current podcast is not my first one. My first one was called Rock Your Life. Um, the only person listening was my mom. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, it wasn't very good. It, I failed. It is what it is, you know, but it, it was a learning experience and it taught me everything I need to know what I'm doing. But you have to look at what's the worst that can happen to you. Yeah. Um, and that's been the, the interesting part about building a business with my wife is, you know, sometimes you go through some adversity, some things happen. We always look at each other and we're done. We go, but did you die? No, we're <laughs> still here. So like, you know, yeah. I always look at it from that viewpoint of like, okay, am I going to die from doing this? If I'm not, what's the worst that could happen? And I, th- I think that's the viewpoint you really have to have on it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are looking at like, hey, I would like to start a podcast, but I want to make money. And that's the first first thing that they're looking at. So let's Don't just start. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. How, how have you been able to, to make money and how long did it take for you? And like, what numbers are we talking about? Just so people can get an understanding. Yeah. So like I said, we had 10,000 listens in our first 30 days, but now here's the thing you have to look at, right? Um, in the podcast world, the advertising is done by number of dollars per thousand downloads. Yeah. So, and that's per episode. So 10,000 over at that point in time, we had like, I think 25 episodes. Yeah. So they weren't doing that much per episode, which means nobody was going to pay me advertising money. Yeah. So what I did out of the gate is I developed, um, you know, basically what was called a set rate. Um, it's kind of like your fixed rate if you're going out to dinner, right? Like you get all you get all these different things and you pay one price. So I would tell people, okay, it's 50 bucks for an advertising spot for an open role, um, more for a mid roll. And that was what I agreed to. And that allowed me to get some early money in to kind of grow the tr- show and bring in traffic and do things like that. But that took six months. Yeah. And for most people, it could take six months to a year if it happens, right? Like I think too many times people are are driven by this internet marketing model of big numbers, you know, I'm Joe Rogan. Here's my advertising money. Like, it's not like that at all. You have to be willing to commit to this work at it. And for a lot of people, it's going to be saying, okay, so what is the dollar amount I can get someone to agree to for an advertising spot on the show? If I'm going to do that, I'll tell you what, the way I found it to work better is using a podcast as a high level networking vehicle to connect with people and also promote what you're already doing. Like promote your 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 business, your other projects you're doing. That's where I found it to be most successful. You know, less than one percent of people are ever going to live off of advertising. But we did that early on to be able to fund some things. And as it grows, we've done some, you know, better advertising deals and stuff like that. But that took years. So you know, really for me, it was realizing how can this help me connect with people at a high level high level networking, and how can it help my business to grow. I like that. And uh, did you? How did you choose companies to work with and pitch and and things like that? So some of them were inbounds and you would take a look at that and you say, does this align with what I like? The other thing is like, I looked at all the products in my life that I like, because yeah. especially like on a podcast, like you don't want to promote things you're not already using because it's not genuine. Yeah. 
So I looked at all the products I like. I made a list and I approached them and I said, hey, I love your product. I would love to promote on the show. Yeah. You know, that's how we've worked with Audible for so many years and things like that. I promote things that I like and I enjoy and I already use in my life and they're easy for me to promote with other people. Yeah. Um, if you don't, you're just a shill, man. <laughs> it's just not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I like that. And, and I think what you're talking about, like using a podcast to create a connection. I mean, I'm so happy that... I've been able to connect with so many incredible people and, and they have mm -hmm. become my friends, which is, which is pretty, pretty awesome. It is like so many people I'm friends with now. I didn't know I, before I started a podcast, um, when you and I got started here, we talked about, uh, a mutual friend. We have Jared Kleiner that I met through the podcast. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't know a lot of people that I know now had it not been for what I'm doing. Yeah. And in your in your life, like wh where do you see yourself going? Like what's, what's really important to you and, and what, and why are you doing the things you do? For me initially, and, and, and it's funny because you talk about like definitions of success, like changing your life. Yeah. It started with just like, I wasn't happy doing what I was doing and I was looking for a way out. Um, you know, now with, um, you know, a wife and, and two kids and two dogs and a pig, um, you know, I look at how can I create a, create a better life for my family and how can I spend more time with my family? Yeah. So I, th I think that's how the definition has changed over the years is how can I create more for my family? How can I make a better life for my family? Um, and, and, and that's really the thing that drives me and the thing that, you know, gets me up every day. Awesome. And I'm also curious about, you know, when you made those shifts in your life, you had a master's, you did all these great things and now you're shifting a uh, perspective like what did your parents say and your friends and like how oh, did you deal with that um initially they thought i was crazy um you know up until like three years ago my dad was still asking me if i need money i'm like dad i, I make money i don't know what to tell you like i i'm you know, it's like oh you're on that internet thing no dad i make money like trust me so like they they weren't very accepting of it early on especially you know i spent a lot of time getting educated yeah. um and and i found too and i don't know if you've seen this in your life like when I started my first business, I didn't know a hell of a lot of what I was doing. So I tended to turn off a lot of people around me because I was very aggressive about it. So it pushed away a lot of my friends early on. Um, and it's taken a few years for them to come back around because I've realized where I was wrong. So it, it's been interesting. Um, you know, my friend, my parents early on were, were scared. Now they're super supportive and excited for what we're doing because they, they kind of see the fruits of it. Yeah. Um, I pushed people away early on and I had to kind of really get good with you know, myself and, and my own responsibility level in that to be able to have those relationships again. And was that because you, you, did you get angry if they were questioning you or? Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Because from the outside, I looked insane. You know what I mean? Like I, I, not like I was making tons of money, but like I had a job, I had a career, I had these different things I was doing. I'm like, all right, I quit. Yeah. Um, so like, it was wild. People are like, is there something wrong with you? Yeah. So you tend to a lot of times do whatever you can to make yourself more right. And in this situation, I tried to make myself more right, which made people not want to be around me. And, and you know, that, that kind of can happen until you realize your own responsibility level in that. And, you know, those relationships are, you know, back and they're better. Yeah, no, I like that. And, and I see that, I mean, there is a film called, uh, I think it's called The Peaceful Warrior. I don't know if you've seen it. It's about it. No, I've never seen it. Uh, it's a really good movie. It's a book as well about this guy, D Dan Millman, a gymnast in uh, Berkeley. And he gets this mentor called Socrates uh, that he see he sees that person. I don't know if he's real or not, but 
and he asked him, uh, he asked him like, uh, what if you don't go to the Olympics, you know? Mm-hmm. He, and he gets so upset. Like, what do you mean? I'm going to go, I'm going to win, you know? And I've realized that like, that was something that happened in my life as well as, as an athlete in the beginning before I was more open to what life could actually give. I was so, I decided what was going to happen uh, which can take you only so far, but it also closes you off to what life can actually give you. Uh, so can you, re- re- do you relate to that? Yeah. And it's funny because I, I, I feel like that's something I've always had in the gym. Like I've always been able, and, and it's because I, I can relate to that with you talking about yourself as, as an athlete, right? Yeah. Because especially like if you look at the different levels and you probably saw this um, in your martial arts, like you look at the different levels, like you were probably the one that didn't have to practice a lot, you know, like, because you had a lot of this natural ability and things like that. And you get, so you've never really had to question it, but you have to, you get to a certain point and you have to realize like, you know, what if this doesn't work out? What am I going to do? And sometimes you have to be able to take a look at that, but it's, it's hard, man. It's really, really hard. And we take our own uncertainty and our own upset and we try to cover it up. And that is where that anger and that frustration, that things like that come from, because we don't want to look at it ourselves. So, you know, we're trying to protect ourselves from it. And I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. I think it's insecurity. Like, and for me, Mm -hmm. like I, I was the guy who who wasn't talented. I did. I had to do a lot, a lot of work, but what what I I totally pegged that wrong. Yeah. But uh, that that's a different combo. But I, I thought you were just like, enter the dragon, man, and it was just happening. I wish, man. I wish I was chubby. <laughs> I was fat. I was bullied. But that was my driving force. But anyway, what I've seen, and I'm curious about your perspective, I, because I've studied a lot of the best of the best. And usually mm-hmm. when you see the people that are really at the top, there's no need for them to be angry if people say something like, you're not going to win or like, you suck. But if you look at the people that are a little bit further down, that wants to become number where number yeah. number one, they are sometimes trying to, you know, uh, they're a little bit insecure, so they're like barking more. They're like, "Hey, I'm doing this," and they're not they're, really they're the compensating. Best. Yeah, they're compensating. They're compensating. Like if you look at a guy like, um, you know, I don't know if you follow football, but if you look at a guy like Tom Brady, right? Yeah. You know, Tom Brady. Um, dream interview for me if I could ever get it. So shout out to you, Tom Brady, if you're somewhere out there. Um, But like you look at a lot of what he's done, you know, four years at Michigan, he had to fight to even be the starting quarterback. He gets drafted at number 199. He, you know, third string quarterback, his second year, Drew Bledsoe goes down and he's finally the starter and he never relinquishes it. Seven Super Bowls later, you know, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. But he had these things that continually kept that chip on his shoulder and kept him competing and kept him working. And I think too many times, like if you don't have to do that, you can get, you know, like had he been a first overall pick, he may not have done that. Right. Because at that point in time, like maybe you've had it easier, maybe you've had it, you know, uh, lucky your whole life. And I think when you work, number one, you appreciate it more. And number two, you know what it actually takes, right? Like you'll watch the hours of film, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll take the, you know, if you're playing basketball, you'll take the thousands of shots that it takes to be able to make one of your eyes closed. Yeah. So I, I think that is the difference to somebody at that level is they have that edge because they know that they can't let up because they're not the most talented player on the field. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that is crucial. And it's so, my father is my my coach and my sensei. And, and like, the, we've, I've seen so many talented uh, kids come in 
but it's very rare. Like I love when I see people that are talented and doing the hard work. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's sometimes rare, uh, but when we see those people that have both, they excel and become extraordinary. Yes. Uh, I have one final question to you, Jeremy. Uh, and that is, um, I've had a great time, first of all. Uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed this, man. Yeah, this is super, super fun. And I, I can tell that like you've, you, you have so much knowledge from not all, I mean, all the guests you have met, but I, want, I don't want to take any, anything away from you because your, your life has also been uh, super cool. Uh, so for people listening, they want to get a little bit closer to the dreams and the goals, but they, they're kind of stuck right now. What would you yeah. recommend is the first thing they, they can do right after this show? Well, I would honestly... Um, I would I would tell them one thing because you know what they they're listening to you so number one they're 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 intelligent yeah. but I would say number two like how many of your episodes have they listened to and not done anything at the end yeah. so I would say to to start listening to what you're telling people because they have a great resource in you yeah. start listening to what you're telling people and start taking an action on at least one piece of what you're hearing in an episode yeah. like you don't have to do everything but take action on one piece of what you're hearing in an episode. And they'll start to see some success in their life. Like they have you as a resource. They need to start taking action on it. Yeah, I like that. And I think that we can get caught up in like watching 100 motivational YouTube videos. But yeah, and it's almost like, you know, sometimes when I was younger, I always saw these guys. They were not that good looking, but they just they just went over to the hot, hottest girl, started talking to her and all of a sudden they're hooking up and I've been planning and thinking and like, no, it's like, you got to take action guys yes. and girls that's, too. That's confidence, man. That's what it looks like, right? Like, yeah, that, that's confidence. Uh, so if people want to connect with you, German, what's, what's the best yeah. way? So they can check me out over at jeremyryanslate.com. Um, they can check out the podcast and anything else we're doing over there. If they want to check out the business side of things, that's over at commandyourbrand.com. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jeremy. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this show. I have a big fat mission. I want to help at least 10 million people. I can't do that myself. So if you like this show, go into YouTube, subscribe, uh, subscribe on uh, iTunes. Give us a review. Tell us what you liked about this show and specifically the things that Jeremy said. I would truly appreciate that. Uh, we're creating a tribe here and I need your help. This, this content is all free. That doesn't mean you should just throw it away. It's actually very, very valuable. I wish, I wish you should, you should actually send me a hundred dollar bill or something at least. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you know what they should, you know what they need to do? This is what they need to do. Um, this is super valuable to you too. Is they need to go on Apple Podcasts. They need to find this podcast and they need to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast because that's going to get you in front of more people. Yeah. So they should definitely do that and help you out. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, thank you, Jeremy. And talk to you next week. <laughs>